So, John, if you could comment on Joe Pesky's character's... Joe Pesci. (laughs) Not Joe Pesky. Sorry. Can't be asked. So, John, if you could comment on Joe Pesci's character's behaviour in this movie, to his face, what would you say? To his face? To his face. I'd be like, great work, mate. You do you. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. You're not a good liar. I'm going to leave now. You're not a good (laughs) liar. No. You lying to me? (laughs) Would I? (laughs) You're not good at being threatening, so. Okay, well, that's that's. that's fair <laughs> I don't think you'd flat. You'd do well in this um, in this universe, to be honest. Yeah, I think I'd do better. Do you, do you really think so? I think put me and you in a room full of gangsters. I think I would. I think I'd get along a little bit better than you. Mm, yeah, I probably could. You'd piss kick, someone off so fast. I'd kick up too much for fuss. Yeah, you'd get whacked so fast. Yeah. you would be that kid who gets shot for, for being too slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, being too slow. Just for giving to giving lip. Yeah. I'd give himself a compliment. What, are you a wise guy? Yeah. <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. You would not last a week in that world. <laughs> Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. But really how, how that could it get? Let's go beyond. Beyond the bug set. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels and spin-offs to Goodfellas. Which could be fun, could be not, but this episode will be shorter than the film. Uh, I hope so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from my listeners with the submissions that they've posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the film mm-hmm. and do a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most. Cool nicknames. Cool nicknames. What nicknames do you have? I have Chappers. Who calls you Chappers? School friends. School friends. All right, fine. Yeah. Harold. Harold. That's not a nickname. Oh, I guess it is, because you technically... You're not Harold on your birth certificate, are you? No. No. Okay, I guess that counts. Has. My sister calls me Has sometimes. Has, all right, okay. Yeah. Uh, Chapstick. That's a personal favourite of mine. Who calls you Chapstick? Uh, Now it's mainly just a username, but whatever. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dare I ask on what? (laughs) Nice lubricating, you know. (laughs) And joining me as always, the host who just gets called names, it's Dickface. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. welcome. Yeah, I tried to make Lucaside. No, I tried to make Lucaside. That sounds like my my suicide. (laughs) That's the way that anybody in your family goes. Yeah, it's it's a Lucaside. Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, I tried to make Lucas. I can't say it. I tried to make Lucasade happen when I was in school briefly, but no, it didn't take. Nobody wanted to call me that, so yeah, you don't, you don't. You don't force nicknames to happen. It, they, no, they, they have to come out organically, and they, they yeah. never came to me. Yeah, I also got Harry Bow in school. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like that one at all. But really, yeah, no. Why yeah. was that one so offensive compared to Chapstick and Hazard and? Well, Chappers was a good one. It's an obvious one. Sure. Yeah, and Harry Bow just never felt very good. Hazard, I quite like that one. Because that makes you sound like you're some kind of like low-key X-Man villain or something. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's Hazard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so Goodfellas. Goodfellas, yes. So, uh, what did you think? Uh, it's not quite as uh, the Irishman as I expected. Well, it's an hour shorter. If you, so, if, yeah. in terms of, I mean, it's still two and a half hours long. That's not saying much. Yeah. But uh, yes, it's an hour shorter. I mean, I think they're very similar films. They are. Yeah. Watching back, I was struck by how similar they actually are. So, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you mean? In what sense was it not as much like the Irishman as you thought it was going to be? This one. It, 
it wasn't as boring. It gave me more context. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it did a better job of telling me why I should care about what happens to the characters in this. Uh-huh. Not to say that I did all that much. Sure. But I wasn't bored out of my mind with this film. No, that well, <laughs> it's cleared that low bar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've spoken to so many people about The Irishman recently, like people mm. at work. Not even like film fans, just people at work, friends, just people who... Because it's a Scorsese film, lots of people like, oh, I'll watch that. Everybody said the same thing, like, yeah, I guess it was good. Like, yeah. I've not heard one person in real life, obviously... Film critics are a different thing. I've not met a single person in real life who was like really infused by it. Mm-hmm. Everyone just been like, I kind of got bored. It will, well, it will never be anybody's favourite film. No, but everyone who says that they found it boring has said it to me as if they're like admitting something that's quite embarrassing. Like, yeah. you know, I know I should like this, but God, I was bored. Like, maybe it was just boring. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can say it. Yeah. Just because he's a legend doesn't mean you can't, you can't make a boring film. Like, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I get what you mean. I, I think this is obviously a superior film. Like, and I did like The Irishman, ish. But yeah, I think this is this is definitely a, a very similar tale, obviously, but obviously earlier. And a lot of people say that this is Martin Scorsese's best film, mm-hmm. or maybe his best gangster film. He's made like six gangster films. Sure. He's made a lot of other films as well, obviously. So there's lots of opinions about the best Martin Scorsese film. But this is always ranked right up there, and mm-hmm. it's been described as the best gangster film ever made as well. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, other people would say the Godfather trilogy. Mm-hmm. Someone might even say Gangs of New York. Who knows? I've not seen it. But mm. so it's definitely ranked highly in, in this genre of filmmaking. So. Yeah. To me, being a gangster was better than being president of the United States. Even before I first wandered into the cab stand for an after-school job, I knew I wanted to be a part of them. It was there that I knew that I belonged. And to me, it meant being somebody in a neighborhood that was full of nobodies. They weren't like anybody else. I mean, they did whatever they wanted. They double-parked in front of a hydrant and nobody ever gave them a ticket. In the summer, when they played cards all night, nobody ever called the cops. Okay, I will get to a plot summary then. So, uh, I'm obviously going to try and keep this brief. It's a mm-hmm. long movie. Although, like <laughs> The Irishman, as long as it is, there's not that much plot to describe. So, mm-hmm. we'll probably be okay. Yeah. Uh, so, it basically tells the story of the rise and fall of a... It's a... Well, I should start with... It's a based on a real-life case. Mm-hmm. It's based on a, like, a tell-all book called Wise Guys, which is about kind of, you know, gangster life or a group of gangsters in mm-hmm. Brooklyn at the, in the from the 50s to the 90s or whatever time span I think this is supposed to represent. Mm-hmm. But it tells the story of Henry Hill, who is a, or was a mobster, who then became an informant at some point. Yeah. We have like a cold open kind of thing with him and uh, the characters played by uh, Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. Uh, and the three of them have just murdered a guy, mm-hmm. or so they think, and mm-hmm. they are burying him out in the woods. Yeah. But they open the trunk and he's still alive, mm-hmm. just, and he's banging on the boots of the car and so Joe Pesci then stabs him ruthlessly and then mm-hmm. they bury him so mm-hmm. that's our cold open we know stab him loads shoot him loads shoot him loads and yeah. it instantly makes me think oh these guys are enjoying it like, if they wanted yes. to kill him they'd just shoot him once in the head yeah I mean it immediately tells you who they are yeah exactly so it's, yeah. it's a good it's a good opening uh, and then we kind of flash back to it is weird how they're just wearing like regular suits and then Joe Pesci just pulls out a full like saber <laughs> yeah where was he hiding that yeah. <laughs> 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 not a small knife it is a large knife maybe they were planning to chop him up <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah probably sure. you know to kind of spread the remains i don't know sure i've never well, killed anyone well, I, don't know. I always think it when james bond's ha- when he's got like a gun in his inside jacket pocket sure like okay that's a gun's a, a little bit bulky even a small gun mm. 
And then this saber, it was massive. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You should have had it on on a holster on his belt. Maybe all like gangsters just have like when they make the, get their bespoke suits made, they have like a an, an inner pocket mm, made yeah. in the lining purely for sabers, just yeah. running right down into the, box, <laughs> into the blazer. Yeah. yeah, just don't bend down. That's a good point. Yeah, a nightmare <laughs> when you need the toilet, but you know, lots of work-related injuries in the yeah. in, in the mobster world, I would say. <laughs> but yeah, then we flash back. Well, we get a freeze frame, the first of many, mm-hmm. which is when kind of Ray Liotta's character does voiceover in a very kind of Wonder Yearsy kind of way. Mm-hmm. He kind of flashes back to the 1950s and when he was a kid, and they kind of tell his story of him growing up in Brooklyn as kind of a half Italian, half or half Sicilian, I should say, mm-hmm. and half Irish kid growing up in this kind of very gangster-dominated. Mm-hmm suburb of Brooklyn I guess and how he becomes involved with the local gangland people yeah I did notice they found a kid who they really did well with the casting because they found a kid who had the exact same piercing eyes as mm. Ray Liotta has yeah, yeah they did because that's the first thing you notice about Ray Liotta <clears throat> is he has these incredible eyes and that mm. kid yeah they did well though because that's a very distinctive feature yeah I did enjoy how for the first half hour maybe an hour of, of the film he was playing a 21 year old Oh yeah, that was funny. Well, yeah. <laughs> the bit that made me laugh was when Robert De Niro was first introduced, and mm. the voiceover says he was only 28, 29, and it's Robert De Niro who's clearly, even at that point, like pushing fifty. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm glad that they didn't have digital de aging because mm. you know I like laughing at stuff like that. I'd rather do that than be like, oh god, the CGI him's a fuck. Like, yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, somebody actually yeah, com- in, in the nineties that would have been that would have been rough. It would have been. I mean, if you've done nineties whatever the CGI technology mm. they had, it would have just been a I don't know like a Paints, yeah. <laughs> Microsoft paints just of Rob Nero's face just floating over him or something. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I know what you mean. That is funny. But anyway, he uh, becomes involved with the local Sicilian gang. He's kind of mentored by a character called Paulie Cicero, who's played by the great Paul Sorvino, mm-hmm. who's really like an old school gangster. He's in like protection rackets and you know general mob violence, but not drugs. He's not mm-hmm. into drug dealing, which I think really came in later on, but he's definitely of the old school. Yeah. And so th- this kid, Henry Hill, young Ray Liotta, he gets kind of in- inducted into this world. Uh, he starts making a lot of money. At a certain point, he gets arrested for selling stolen cigarettes on the street. And he gets tried, and he gets away with it, I think. But that's when he learns the two golden rules of being a mobster, mm-hmm. which kind of follow him through the film. And that is... Never rat on your friends mm-hmm. and keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I would say is just the same rule, really. But yeah, you know, sure. Yeah, yeah. Then, then he he kind of grows up, becomes really awesome. Which, like, when that happens, you're like, well, I know where this is going to end. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It sets us out its stakes pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, but then he grows up, becomes Ray Liotta, obviously still in the mob. And his two closest associates are uh, Jimmy Conway, who's mm-hmm. played by Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. who's kind of a quite calm character he never really loses his rag particularly mm. he's quite um, you know but he's one of those cold but ruthless killers yeah. like he's not a live wire like Joe Pesci is but you wouldn't fuck with him yeah you know? uh, and then there's Joe Pesci who plays uh, Tommy DeVito mm-hmm. who is a complete loose cannon yeah I, you know what I was surprised that he didn't get killed off way earlier in the film I know he seemed like such a liability right yeah mm. like such a wild card yeah you, you, you would not you, you, you wouldn't do business with him at all mm because you feel like you you could say one thing wrong, even if you're his best friend, yeah. and he'd just shoot you in the face. Yeah. Well, I think everyone has like that one friend who's like a lot of fun until they go too far. Mm. But Joe Pesci is like that friend with a gun. Yeah. And no sense of um, consequence, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So you know he's very charismatic. You mm-hmm. know he's he's very funny. As famously, mm-hmm. the introduction scene establishes he is funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because when he to, to jump forward in time to the, near the end of the film, when he does get whacked. Like, Robert De Niro is devastated. Mm. Like he's gen- it's the only time any character actually seems like they mourn. 
a friend, you know. Because a lot of people get killed. This was some grade A terrible acting. I know, right? The bad, the crying wasn't great. His crying. I know that too. It was not good cry acting. It was awful. I've... I've not seen that bad cry acting for a very long time. I can't think of an example, but that was some of the worst. You, you make a good point, but we're not there yet. Sorry, I, mean, I was just pushing forward to, to. Okay, well, I'm just saying this uh, now. Yeah, now guess, now while we're here, no, I agree with you. That, it was strange. He didn't do good. He's cry. a good actor. Yeah, he's a really good actor, but he cannot cry for the yeah. life of him. Maybe he's just he's just too hard to cry. Maybe it's just one of the things he can't do. Yeah, I, it's not a thing I've seen him try to do in other films. Sure. So you it's know, like, he's what I think he can't do when he's just put that to bed. Exactly. You know, Brad Pitt. Great actor, can't do accents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> De Niro, can't cry. Yeah. We've all got our Achilles heel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's fine. But my God, don't make him cry. Russell Crowe, don't make him sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, so Joe Pesci is this character. And, th- and we are introduced to these characters, but particularly Joe Pesci in what is maybe the most famous scene in the film. Certainly the one mm-hmm. that I knew the best from yeah. just TV clips of like best scenes ever on TV and stuff. You think I'm funny? You think I'm funny. The you think I'm funny bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of sets the tone for his character for the whole film. Pretty much every scene he's in, he will get into a situation where there'll be, oh, there'll be some jokes, there'll be some banter, but he might kill you. Mm. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Like, yeah. scary guys have around. Mm. Very, very scary guy. But yeah. Joe Pesci does it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Little but scary. I think mm-hmm. that is his, that's his, that's his whole thing. Yeah. 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 Really funny. Really funny. What do you mean I'm funny? It's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. What do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you're just funny. It's funny, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, Oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? Right. Funny how? Just, what? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so, let me understand this, because I don't, you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. So he, yeah, so he's in with them on his, you know, still rising up the ranks of, now he's a very well-established mobster, basically. So mm-hmm. he's making lots of money. He's very influential. He's very, very respected. And he's still only like 21, 22. Yeah. I mean, really, Otter's not, but the character is. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts dating a Jewish girl from outside the mob kind of community called... His first date? His first date, yeah. Yeah, so. at age 42. Age forty two. They don't say it's his first date ever, do it? I think it comes up. Oh, do they? So like, he's never dated anyone before. I think so. Okay, fair enough. So, but anyway, or, or I think that's just the way that I interpreted it. Maybe possibly. I, may, possibly. I, they don't show any love interest before this. But you're right. He is. Mm. You'd think he would have at least had a few flings. Who yeah. knows? But he starts dating this girl called Karen, played mm-hmm. by Lorraine Bracco, mm-hmm. and she's really not part of this world because she's not. She's not Sicilian, so she doesn't really understand. But she very quickly is seduced by his kind of his power, his influence, his charisma, and also mm-hmm. apparently his violence. Mm. Yeah. She's a real problematic character like mm-hmm. from her like, 21st century, you know. Like, she's great. I think she's acting-wise, she's fantastic. And it's probably a fairly accurate character to certain, you know, people who lived in this world. But, like, yeah, there was a lot of times I was like, oh, this film is a feminist nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> when she's like, oh, I'll be honest... I know he was really violent to me, but I was attracted to it. Like, yeah. I was like, oh no, yeah. this wouldn't fly in 2020. No. <laughs> but anyway, I did enjoy... 
Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit much, really, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> but you know, a lot of people did have those kind of relationships. You know, I don't think it was necessarily yeah, saying this is a really know, healthy and, relationship. And you know, maybe still do. Probably do still do. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But, but anyway, it, it really didn't sort of delve deeply enough into no. it to, to justify it. I would say the problem was it didn't give us an alternative female character who was more empowered. Mm. Every female character was basically this. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Yeah, that was the only thing I did notice. Yeah, but I did I did enjoy a lot of these early scenes of them when they're like dating and when when they get married. Like this mm-hmm. this part of the film with her kind of acclimatizing to this world that she's not used to. Mm-hmm. I found maybe some of the funniest stuff in the film. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff yeah. with their their wedding was really funny when there's like the huge line of people just giving them envelopes for cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's getting introduced to because oh that's it because this is when her voiceover comes in. Until this point, it's all been Ray Liotta voiceover, mm. and then her voiceover comes in and it is like oh oh I guess there's another protagonist. And you think, oh, I guess she's going to be like really significant, and well, no, maybe <laughs> not as it's not quite the two hundred promises to be. No, but, no, not really. But I did enjoy her voiceovers in this bit when she's talking about how she's getting at the wedding introduced to everyone, and literally everyone's called Paulie. Yeah, <laughs> all the women women are called what was it, Maria, Marie, uh, something like that. Yeah, and all, all their kids are called Marie, and yeah. yeah, and the line of people just giving them envelopes full of cash. It's, Mm. It was really funny. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. This, this film has some good jokes. It is. It's pretty funny. It does. Like, yeah. like that, that one right at the start when I just go through all the different names that everyone's got. Yeah. And, you know, the, obviously the one that stands out to, to, to me and to most people is Jimmy Two Times. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. I forgot but, about but, that. Yeah, yeah the, but it's like all these great names that he's come up with. Like, yeah. That's good. <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah. That is good writing right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So they get married. And I guess over the most of the middle of the film is Henry Hill has encounters with various side characters, most of whom end up dead. I'm not mm-hmm. going to mention all of them now. Uh, but I guess the most important scene at this point in the film is when the three of them, uh, Joe Pesci, Ray Otter, Robert De Niro, they're in some bar somewhere and some high-ranking gangster, a made man, which is like a proper mafioso person, mm-hmm. starts like insulting Joe Pesci. Mm. And Joe Pesci kind of loses his shit, attacks him, ends up killing him. Yeah. And this is the guy who is in the cold open at the start, who is in the boot of the car, who mm-hmm. they end up burying. Because this guy is, is what they call a made man, which is somebody who is fully inducted into the mafia. Mm-hmm. And apparently killing a made man without permission mm-hmm. carries a death penalty. Mm-hmm. So the three of them then have to basically bury him out in the wilderness, hide the body, cover it up, and deny all knowledge of it, basically. This was the bit where I was like, finally, there's a bit of plot. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it does meander. And, and it didn't really stick to this that much well it paid but, off but I know but, what you mean it, it comes it comes back at the end because that's the yeah. reason Joe Pesci gets whacked later yeah, on yeah, yeah. but yeah, I know what you mean it's not like it's definitely not a traditionally narrative film mm. but I think as we've established maybe that's just not Scorsese's it's, it's, bag no no so, yeah. certainly yeah mm-hmm. though that is what I like in a film sure absolutely and that's yeah. a, you know that, that's perfectly fine I'm, I'm not there for much of a, a slice of life personally I think that works better for TV sure even if it's like more higher class TV like HBO or Netflix stuff sure but yeah, I think that just because you've got more time to spread it out, mm-hmm. and you can do a you, you can do a, a bigger or, a, or you can do a smaller plot in more time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that works pretty well. Yeah, I agree. But this is what this film does, so you know, yeah. like it a little bit. That's what happens. Yeah. Anyway, so they kill this guy who's called Billy Bats. Mm-hmm. So they kill him, they bury him in the woods, but then they t- they find out six months later that they've accidentally buried him on a future building site, so they're going to dig mm-hmm. all that up. So then they have to go back and big- dig him up again, mm-hmm. which was a funny scene. And also, very heavy-handed symbolism with like the red smoke while yeah. they're doing <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> We get it, they're, in- they're going to hell. <laughs> but it was good. Like It, it, it really showed like the grim side of being a gangster, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to the fun side. But, you know, <laughs> like with the, you know, with the, the obvious smell of a mm-hmm. six-month-old corpse. Mm-hmm. So. so then 
the film continues to kind of meander along. Henry starts having an affair with another woman, as gangsters often do, mm-hmm. I guess, in every film. Yeah. And Karen finds out and seemingly goes completely insane mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah. Uh, to the point where she wakes him up one morning and holds a gun, one night and holds a gun to his face mm. you know, after she finds out he's having an affair. Mm-hmm. Basically, their relationship is very, very destructive. It's very abusive. Uh, but uh, they still, she's still attracted to him, though. Mm. She still just loves that violence. <laughs> just loves it. Yeah. Uh, and then after literally feeding a guy to some lions, <laughs> which, which is a... wait, did they actually do that? I thought they. Oh no, they him. tried to. They they threatened to feed a guy yeah. to the lions. Yeah, they didn't yeah. actually do it, but they they hold a guy who owes the money over the side of a lion yeah. like, enclosure at some zoo. I yeah, guess. yeah. And uh, yeah, but after doing that, they finally, finally, the law catches up with them, and all, basically all of the main gangsters. De Niro, Pesci, Liotta, and uh, Paul Sovino, mm. they all go to jail. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a mobster jail where mm. they've paid off all the guards and it's quite, it seems quite cushy. Yeah. Yeah. They're basically just cooking meals and just having a good time. And like like nice steaks, smoking cigars. Drinking beer. Yeah. It yeah. seems like a pretty good setup. But yeah. they're in jail for an indeterminate number of years anyway. Like, to go from gangster life going to a jail like that, that would probably actually be like a fairly nice holiday. Yeah. Exactly. Of just like, hey, no one's about to come and kill us. Yeah. Um, we like, we we're in charge here. We've got no responsibility. There's nice food. You'd it's, stay, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. You'd just be like, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, don't I'd rush not, the bail. It's I, like, I'd rather not be in here for four years. But yeah, yeah. But it's, it, I think that's the point. They've got privileges because they are they've got money and connections. Yeah. So anyway, so they, they serve a few years in prison, and mm. then when they get out, the gangster scenes kind of changed. The mob scene has kind of changed quite significantly. Mm-hmm. So now rather than like racketeering in the old school way now it's all about drug dealing like cocaine and heroin and all that kind of stuff yeah pushing all those drugs is now the main source of income for the mob so paulie the the, the old mentor the poor sovino character mm-hmm. he wants to stay well out of all of that he wants to stay an old school classic gangster because he doesn't want to get caught up in drugs because mm-hmm. he knows how much easier it is to go to jail for that mm-hmm. and because he is kind of taken Henry under his wing he makes Henry swear to stay up that he'll keep his nose clean as well yeah. and he'll stay out of all of that stuff and just stick to the old stuff and Henry promises him but immediately backtracks on that and becomes very heavily into cocaine and both dealing and snorting mm-hmm. so he's very quickly becomes a cocaine addict Yeah, he's still with Karen the Lorraine Bracco character the wife mm-hmm. uh, who has been cycling through a series of increasingly unflattering wigs <laughs> as the film goes on <laughs> To showcase her sadness, I guess. Pause right there. Okay. Wig watch. Wig watch. Well, I'm going to get... We're going to talk wigs. We can talk it now if you want. Wigs, it's one of my drinking games. We can talk about it now if you'd rather. Yeah. My goodness. This is a wig Gracious watch classic. Me. Yeah. I mean, it has a whole wig advert. Like, yeah. That was the, the happiest I've been watching a film for a long time when there was like... Maury's wig shop. Yeah, That was yeah. amazing. <laughs> but it's not just that. There's all the characters in this. And I was wondering halfway through, like, how many of these are... Just the actors wearing wigs to look like that character, mm. or the character themselves needs to wear a wig. I agree. I, because I there were a few that, like, this is very obviously a wig and it looks awful. You can see his real hair at the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, it was 1990, so this was filmed in like 1989, you'd mm. presume. So this was the peak era of the mullet. So there, there might mm. be a few. Because I thought Joe Pesci for sure must have been wearing a wig. Yeah. But then I, before we started recording, I watched his Oscar clip, unless he was also wearing a wig to the Oscars. Mm. He might have been. Same hair. So sure. maybe not everyone, but was De Niro wearing a wig? You've got a thing. It you've, looked like it. Got it, a, he, it. That it, was. It yeah. looked pretty bad. Well, there was somebody with grey hair. I think it was mm. a female character. Yeah, 
She didn't look like she was wearing a wig. Because mm. the wig fitted with the rest of her, her get-up and her look. She looked like she was wearing a new face. Oh, I see. Like, her face didn't match everything else. <laughs> it was it was weird. Was this in, like, and, the scene when, all, when all the mob wives are together getting, like, makeovers? Yeah, And that woman's so. having her face painted blue? No, it wasn't that person, but I, th- I think it was. I think it was around then. Yeah, I think kind of the. I know. I, I can picture the wig. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. weird because it's like the line where the wig touches the face. It it was just so off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that just it just I don't know. It just it was staring at my soul and just telling me something was wrong. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I, again, I think it's a deliberate choice because at this point, Lorraine Bracco's character in the voiceover says, you know, all these women, they looked really cheap, they mm-hmm. wore bad clothes, they, they wore way too much makeup. So I think the point was to make them look quite silly. Sure, sure, but, yeah. yeah. This was a wig watch extravaganza. Yeah. Extravaganza. Yeah. I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> don't buy wigs that come off at the wrong time. Maury's wigs don't come off! Even underwater. And remember, Maury's wigs are tested against... Hurricane winds. Don't forget about money. You can afford a Maury wig. Price to fit every budget. So call me now. And come in for a personalized fitting. Uh, so she's st- he's still married to her. And she's still not particularly happy. And he also has a new kind of bit on the side called mm-hmm. Sandy. Who is helping him run his cocaine business through her apartment, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tommy, the Joe Pesci character, is increasingly a loose cannon. And eventually he gets whacked by a rival mob gang in retribution for the fact that he killed Billy Bats early in the film. Yeah. So, yeah, he he, he dead. Mm. Then the movie kind of changes style for a little bit and becomes this, like, strange but enjoyable little short film that's... <laughs> did you did you pick up on this too? When Henry Hill, really Ross's character, gets... He's obviously super addicted to cocaine mm. and he gets really paranoid about the helicopter and mm-hmm. the whole very long sequence. Yeah, that was... It felt like a different film, didn't it? It did, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. But it... I think that was, again, it's to reflect his state of mind. Yeah. Because yeah. he's super paranoid. They did a great job of making him look fucked up. Oh god, yeah, they made him really sweaty and twitchy. Like, mm. he, yeah, really great. Yeah, yeah, it looked really good. Like subtly and also not subtly. Yeah, well, they they amped it up as it went along. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, mm. yeah. So that's really good. So he's obviously now out of prison, and it's, for this sequence, he has his. He's still doing his drug dealing. He's got his family around for like a family lunch or something, mm. but also he's got to palm off some guns to a local fellow gang or a fellow a buyer or something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but he's, he, while he's driving these guns and drugs around, he becomes paranoid that a helicopter he keeps seeing might, might be following him, and so he ends up hiding some stuff at his mother-in-law's. But as soon as he goes through with the trade, he is arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> his house is raided by the police, and Karen, his wife, panics and flushes sixty thousand dollars worth of cocaine down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, which. I mean, I would. I think she made the right decision. In that situation, I'd do the same yeah. thing. Not that I'd ever been in that I mean, situation. I'm sure I've made a lot of wrong decisions to get there, but... Sure, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, here we are. You know, you do what you can. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you do what you got to do. Uh, yeah, so she flushes $60,000 worth of cocaine down the toilet, which leaves Henry penniless. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets out on bail by, I think, his mother-in-law remortgages her house, or mm-hmm. they give some reason, but he's essentially now broke. Yeah. Uh, and also because he's been arrested on the drug charge, everybody in the... God, there's just so many reasons here why you should just never marry a gangster. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there's, there's almost no upside. <laughs> <laughs> short ter- short term wealth boost. Yeah, long term a lot of misery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so he gets out on bail, but he's penniless now. But because he's been arrested on this drug charge, everybody knows that he's 
involved in, in the drug dealing business. So mm-hmm. that means that Paulie, his mentor, basically is furious that he lied to him and betrayed him. And so he disowns him. He gives him some money, but he disowns him. Mm-hmm. He's like, I will not, I'll never speak to you again. Yeah. And Jimmy, the, the Robert De Niro character, also now wants him dead because Jimmy is ruthless. We've seen in earlier parts of the film that he would much he would kill anyone just to protect himself. So he, he has no loyalty to anyone. Yeah. And Henry Hill knows this, really also knows this. So he, he knows that now that he's been compromised, Jimmy just wants him dead and out of the way. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of really... So there's some really tense stuff about them trying to negotiate the fact that there's obviously a hit on them. There's a great scene where Lorraine Bracco goes to visit Jimmy to ask for help, and then she realizes that Jimmy's presumably trying to kill her because mm-hmm. he tells us he's got some dresses she can take, but they're just down the just down this side alley. Just go down the side alley, and she's like, <laughs> yeah. she's no fool. She knows what's going to happen. So yeah. she, she runs off and drives away. Yeah. Anyway, so in the end of the film, Henry and Karen decide to go into witness protection. So they rat out all of their remaining friends and mm-hmm. associates. And, yeah, they survive. Everyone else goes to jail. Paulie mm-hmm. goes to jail. Jimmy goes to jail. Joe Pesci's already dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, Henry and Karen, they go into witness protection. And uh, the movie ends with him kind of... Well, it's It does this weird little disorienting switch from from narration to mm-hmm. actually breaking the fourth wall, mm-hmm. where, which I thought was really... Because at first you think he's just giving his... Because it's, it's a court scene, so you yeah. think he's giving his deposition. But then you, he walks out of the booth and mm. you, think, you can't do that when you give yeah. evidence <laughs> yeah, and then you realise oh it's deliberate good because then he walks right up to the camera yeah. Yeah. yeah and basically at the end of the film Ray Liotta says talks about how he, he admits he finds his new ordinary life very boring because mm. he's he's completely disconnected from the gangster world anymore but he misses it and that's mm. the time where he was happiest in his life and then he closes the door in the film mm. credits roll yeah. and that's the end I quite like the end because it so basically Ray Liotta is he's put in a prison of his own making definitely yeah if like he now just has a normal suburban life with his wife and maybe two daughters, I don't know. Sure. And that's what he hates. Yeah, that's it. Like for most people, that seems like he, a nice he, life. He, he, not... he wants what he had, but he can't have it anymore. Yeah, because it's all he's known. Yeah. Anything I wanted was a phone call away. Free cars, the keys to a dozen hideout flats all over the city. I'd bet 20, 30 grand over a weekend. And then I'd either blow the winnings in a week or go to the Sharks to pay back the bookies. And now it's all over. And that's the hardest part. And today everything is different. There's no action. I have to wait around like everyone else. Can't even get decent food. Right after I got here, I ordered some spaghetti with marinara sauce and I got egg noodles and ketchup. I'm an average nobody. I get to live the rest of my life like a schnook. Well, yeah, that was good, fellas. That was good, fellas, yeah. I guess. That's, that's how gangster films fill for the... For now, for, for the year, maybe. I don't think I'll do any more Scorsese gangster films this year. No, no I think we've, no. We've, you know there are others that I've in the past thought about doing. I thought about doing Casino. I thought mm-hmm. about doing Gangs of New York, but mm-hmm. I feel it because they are probably all quite similar. Mm-hmm. We're probably not, not doing a one against for them. I wouldn't be against Gangs of New York. I've seen that one before. Sure. I think was that your, your. I gave you the option of that yeah. or this, and you chose this. Yeah, yeah. I'm still glad I chose this because yeah. now I've seen it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely enjoyed this more than the Irishman. I had more to take from it, and yeah, it's. It's all right. Mm. No, I agree. I'm not in a rush to do more of these, but I'd happily watch another one in the future. But yeah, don't worry. Mm. There'll probably be no more of these from me for a good long while. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, drinking games. Would you like to go first? Drink whenever somebody says the word gangster. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. It actually happens quite a lot at the start. I didn't pick up on that, but I can well imagine that you're right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I want to be a gangster. When you're (laughs) a gangster, you get to do all these things. Gangsters get to do this. The gangsters get to do that. Okay, no, that that didn't occur to me, but you're right. That's mm-hmm. a damn good drinking game. Similarly, 
Drink every time somebody gets whacked. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. Okay, drink for every sentence where Joe Pesci doesn't swear. Okay, a good sober drinking game. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm sure it comes up. Am I funny? Drink. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah sure. Funny. Okay, here's a good one I liked. Drink for gangster logic. Mm-hmm. This is something that really amused me. The best example I can think of. It's like when gangsters meet a problem, mm. like they have some, an, an issue they need to deal with, and they use gangster logic to get around it. Right, the funniest yeah. example for me is very early in the film when Henry Hill, really Ross's character, is still a kid, mm. and he gets in trouble with his dad because he's been skipping school for months. And so he goes and tells his gangster friends, like, and they're like, okay, fine, and they start driving. And you think they're going to, like, threaten his dad, mm-hmm. but instead they just beat up the poor postman <laughs> to stop him from delivering letters from school. <laughs> I loved, like, someone thought of that. Like, yeah. Someone thought, okay, what can we do? This kid that we like, he's getting in trouble from school. His dad's, you know, giving him a hard time. Mm-hmm. How are we going to sort this out for him? <laughs> Let's just threaten to kill the postman. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I yep. loved the logic of it, the circular thinking. Yep. There are a few other ones, but that's the main one I could think of. It just really tickled <laughs> me. Yeah, 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 yeah true. <laughs> Okay, I think I've... Well, I've got a couple of obvious ones here. Drink for a death. You, we can't really cover that. Drink for whackings, yeah. Drink for narration. Yeah, yeah boring. Yeah, yeah. Um, last one. Drink whenever Joe Pesci gets offended. Oh, good one, yeah. When someone pisses him off and yeah. usually lives to regret it or does not live to regret it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Okay, similarly, I've got some that I'm just going to skip really quickly that we covered. Drink for freeze frame. Mm-hmm. Drink for wigs. Mm-hmm. Drink every time Joe Pesci's character is a prick. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Drink for time jumps, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got two more. Drink for cheek kisses. Oh, right. You know, gangster yeah, cheek. You know, the double yeah, cheek kiss. It's an Italian yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. You could definitely drink for it, though. You know, yeah. it's, a lot of, it's a lot of that, men kissing each other on the cheeks. It's yeah. Uh, and my last one, again, we've kind of talked about it, but uh, drink for questionable feminism. Great. Yeah. Obviously, like, <laughs> Lorraine Bracco's character is a nightmare, you know, mm. for, the, for this, you know. But also, there's a scene... Because, again, because it's... I was looking for the whole film for like, is there going to be a female character who's maybe more empowered? So, you know, you can, you can just say, oh, well, that's that, that character. That's, but, you know, there's an alternative, but no, yeah. there's not. There's another female character who's only in a couple of scenes who's, I guess, Joe Pesci's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a scene where they're at a bar and he's like saying, if you even look at, you keep your eyes straight ahead of you. If you even look at another guy, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> and then she kind of goes, oh, he's so jealous and possessive. He just hates to even see me look at another man. God, it's sexy. And I was <laughs> like, oh, God, this film really didn't think about this. Thing. No. <laughs> so, yeah, anything that would, yeah, any. Anything like that. Yeah. Drink. I'm gonna go see Stan. Don't you look at anybody. Look straight ahead or I'll fucking get you. I'm so jealous. I mean, if I even look at anyone else, kill me. Fantastic. All right. Well, then, before we uh, start our sequel pitches, just want to let you listeners know that if you've enjoyed this episode or any before, then you can support us for as much or as little as you think we're worth by going to patreon.com slash set. If you want to. You don't have to. It's fine. But if you do then you get a few bonus features, including a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review cinema releases. We're currently in the middle of our Oscar season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got... Uh, we're, about, we're about to record Jojo Rabbit in 1917. Yeah, we're hoping to see Little Women, although time is ticking on, so we'll see we get there. Yeah. I mean, the cinema starts in nine minutes, and we've still got half an episode to... Yeah, we're probably not going to make that, no. but we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see it at some point. Either way, we're, we're going to be reviewing every Best Picture nomination, a couple of... A couple of acting ones as well. Uh, you know, we'll do we'll do our best. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's the Oscar season. It's the best time of year to it's be good. To, to be a Patreon subscriber of Beyond Indeed. the Box Set. Sign up, get listening. Also, if if you become a Patreon, you get a thirty second advert slot on the main show mm-hmm. once a month per person. You can yeah. advertise your own podcast, your own business, whatever you feel like talking about. Really, it's your mm-hmm. time. 
Uh, also, once a month, we have a Patreon episode where we pick a Patreon at vaguely random, not mm-hmm. exactly random. I and mean, we make sure they all get their first slot, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody gets a chance. Yeah. And you get to pick an episode for us to do on the main show. You can join us if you want. You don't have to, but you can. You can Skype in. You can come in person. It's up to you. Also, you get access to our exclusive Facebook group. And also, you get the extended versions of our main show episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Extra extended plot summaries, more drinking games, more listener submissions. Just lots more of us. But still tightly edited and a good show. We're not just giving you all the dreck. It's, it's actually genuinely funny content that sometimes... Sometimes it pains me to cut, but it's got to be done, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've never listened, so. (laughs) Uh, All that is available at patreon.com slash beyondtheboxer. Let's see, Alex. Uh, What do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitch at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Um, Alright, sequels. Sequels, yeah. Alright, so it's my turn to go first today. It is, yeah, so hit move a sequel. Okay, and I've come up with a few smaller ones. Okay, cool. So I'm not just on one big one. It's fine. So, first one I've got is kind of an obvious one, really. It's Good Gals. Good Gals, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, basically, all three of the original characters, Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, and Joe Pesci, they've all had one or two children at some point. Mm-hmm. All of them, by coincidence, are daughters. Oh, I see. So, it's the next generation. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So, given all the down to best friends, who call themselves the Good Fellas, mm-hmm. these women who basically grew up together all call themselves Good Gals. Okay. It's going to be set vaguely in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all going to be in about their 20s and 30s. Now, um, are they going to be gangsters, or it's like, good gals, good pals? You know? I'm going to say they're going to be gangsters. Okay, cool. I like it. So are we going for, like, an Ocean's 8? What, what, what was the what, what was the Sandra Bullet one called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that Ocean's 8? Yeah. Okay, cool. But 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 no, I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're better than that, but I'm, is that the vibe we're going for? Like, you know, because she was the sister of the I'm, George I'm, Clooney character, wasn't she? I'm, I don't know. Why are, you, why are you going down this route? I'm just going for a film that's... Basically, got a group of women. I'm in thinking it. of like a, a, ga- and, 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 a, a heist and, film that's been recast as women. That's what I'm saying. Well, doing a heist. Okay, fine. No, I'm, I'm not. Okay, fine. Don't take, don't, don't take inspiration from a shit film. I'm not pitching a bad film here. All right, fine. Carry on. I'm sorry. Ocean, I was just trying to draw. A Ocean's Eight. Okay. Ugh. Tell me more. So basically, all the mothers are no longer on the scene for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pesci's wife was actually murdered on the same night that he was. Oh dear. Um, but luckily, his two girls, Margot Robbie and Kerry Mulligan. Yeah, that tracks, yeah. yeah. Which ones... So, oh, I guess Margot Robbie's doing another, like, New York-y kind of accent. Yeah. She can do it. Yeah. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think Kerry Mulligan can do it, too. Oh, true, because she's British, isn't she? So they're both doing accent work. Okay, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, she's good in Gatsby. Okay, I've I've not seen The Great Gatsby, but I'm, surp- I'm surprised you have. That does not seem like the kind of film that you would see on Osfor- unless forced. Oh, I love Baz Luhrmann. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were travelling in Europe at the time, so they weren't bummed off. Okay, sure. And um, that's... 
I don't think gangsters it? kill kids unless absolutely necessary. To be fair, probably. Yeah. yeah. De Niro uh, didn't get married, but he did uh, at one point knock up a junkie. Um, a junkie, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. a while ago. Uh, she didn't keep the kid, and so the person I've cast is Kobe Smulders from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yes. Um, sure. Some of the Avengers films. and I know who you mean, yes. Yeah, French from college. Uh, so when you say didn't keep the kid, so she wasn't aborted. No, no, no. Oh, sorry, no, as in she... <laughs> <laughs> um, she grew up in an orphanage. I see. Okay, she, she was given away. Okay. Yeah, Very yeah, different. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. Like, I'm um, just trying to figure out how that would work. <laughs> I thought you meant Colby Smulders was the junkie that Robin Hood knocked up. Like, there's an age gap, but sure. So, yeah, uh, she grew up in an orphanage, which was it was paid for by De Niro. Like, you know, he was giving his hefty tips and stuff. Oh, okay, sure. So he's um, supported her in some Like, he, he, he was there, but he wasn't a dad. Okay, sure. Absentee yeah. father. Probably like a lot of gangsters. Which feels in keeping with his character in Goodfellas. 100%. Like, he, sure. did, he didn't have a daughter to speak of, did he? No, not that we saw. We didn't see a lot of his private life, but yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't think he was a completely bad person, that he would ignore the fact that he had a daughter. No. Well, but yeah, also, the... it didn't define him at all. No. There's a real sense of, uh, like, honour in, like, the mobster community, where obviously yeah. they are criminals and they're murderers and they'll kill their friends, but there's a certain sense of there are certain things that you need to do. I think, I would imagine, like, taking care of your kid would be yeah. on it, so yeah. Yeah. And so the only ones who did grow up with their parents were Ray Liotta's two kids. Oh yeah, he had two little girls, didn't he? Yeah. yeah okay. Who I've now cast as Gal Gadot and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Interesting. I would be interested to see Gal Gadot attempting to do an accent. I feel like that she's one of those for whom that's not in their wheelhouse. Mm. <laughs> she's just Israeli. <laughs> yeah. But maybe. I've, I've not seen her in the Fast and Furious films. I have no idea what accent she's doing. No. But I wouldn't be surprised if she's doing something else. I've not seen it either, but... I've seen. I've, I know her from Wonder Woman, and I know her from uh, Wreck It Ralph two. And in Wreck It Ralph two, I mean, you know, it's a, it, it's a, it's not exactly a high acting class, you know. It's, it's no. A, but I did find her vocal performance in that film distracting because it was just not. It's fine for her. She could have just been playing her character as being an Israeli cartoon character. That's mm-hmm. fine. But yeah, I don't. I don't think voice work is really her friend. Mm. Put it that way. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So. Yeah, Gal Gadot and mm-hmm. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Sure. So they're De Niro's kids. Uh, really, Oscar's kids. Yes. Wow. And I said that when they were old enough to live their suburban home, uh, they pretty much did so right away. Sure. Their parents had been in an abusive relationship all their lives, mm-hmm. and so they wanted to get away as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Gal Gadot was about 18 when she left, and she took her 15-year-old younger sister with her. Mm-hmm. And they went and uh, stayed with their their aforementioned cousins um, in New York, where they all started to follow in their father's footsteps. Okay. And they all just kind of form a bit of a, bit of a gang together. So this is now a... Fe- so who's the... Is there like a leader of this gang? Is there like a carpo? I'd say probably Kobe Smulders, being uh, slightly older than the rest, and she's sure. uh, De Niro's. Sure. Yeah, I, I kind of put her at the top, but... Uh, well, she's a little older as well, I guess, isn't she? Than the rest of them, I think. Yeah, only about a couple of years. Sure, okay. Only about two years. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So what is this? Is this a classic mob? Are they just doing classic mob stuff? But oh, have they got their own specific kind of... I'm not too sure. I mean, you did say this is a small idea. So... Yeah, no, I've already got to where, yeah, where, where I finished. It's just, it's just a pitch. That's the point. Of it. So it's, so you've got these female gangsters. Do you reckon they are a mob that's just involved in, like, you know, racketeering, drug dealing, all that kind of stuff? Or is it more like an Ocean's 8 kind of, like, heist situation where it's a speci- they get together for a specific crime? I'm not quite sure if they're heisting, but the... You know what? I think... A deception sort of thing could definitely work, mm. where, you know, they're definitely playing to, they're pretending to be helpless women at different mm. times, and, you know, maybe maybe. May, may, maybe a couple of them get married into a mob just to kind of infiltrate a little bit, that sort of thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. So they become mob wives. Yeah, sort of thing, but, like, they're a lot smarter than just, 
they're a lot smarter than the characters we see in Goodfellas. Sure, 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 yeah. So they're, they're using their femininity <clears throat> to manipulate the system. Mm, yeah. yeah, that could be fun. Mm-hmm. What, what's your next one? Okay, my next one is called Good Boy. It's um, not a dog. And it's a remake with the same cast, apart from everyone is a dog. Everyone's a dog. Oh, yeah. Okay. However, when it comes to the scene with the painting, instead of two dogs on a boat, it's two humans. The scene that. with the paint. Oh, yeah, that, we didn't talk about that. With, with yeah. uh, Joe Pesci's mom, when she's got that really hilarious like painting of the two dogs on the boat. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And so it's two humans who have their backs to each other, mm-hmm. and arms folded as though they've just had a fight. Right. Answering a question posed in the film, why they're facing different ways? Well, they just don't like each other anymore. <laughs> but they're stuck on a boat together for some reason. The whole thing is a metaphor for Martin Scorsese and comic book films. They're both, stuck <laughs> ma- they're both stuck making the same unoriginal things, which all seem boring and the same to each other's fans. And also, they don't mesh very well, so they don't talk to each other. Okay, I see we did a little bit of social commentary there. I like it. I <laughs> that, would that, love... That's it, that's it, all I've done. Okay, no, I actually really like that. <laughs> you but... thought it wasn't going to bring it up? I brought it up. Sure. No, I really like the idea of like a full gangster movie, like mm. a full gritty, you know, with murders and hits and, you know... Mm prostitutes and like side women and drug dealing but it's dogs <laughs> in the style of Isle of Dogs maybe maybe it's stop motion or, or, or maybe or, it's or animation like a, yeah or, or CGI who knows but I would love it if they really went 100% in on that because yeah. just the idea that dogs have their own like gang communities it could really work it could be very funny yeah. Yeah. and if you just played it straight I think it'd be even funnier mm-hmm. you know not just like wink wink nudge nudge but the dogs like mm. just really play it straight yeah I think I would really like to see that my idea here I've got it is the same cast yeah, same cast doing the yeah, voice work, yeah. Because they're all alive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, imagine the Am I Funny to You scene, but, like, Joe but Pesci is, is, is a fucking is a poodle or something. lasso apso yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I really like that. Okay, and my last one I've got here mm-hmm. is just called Goodfella. Goodfella, okay. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro is 21. Okay, are we using de-aging? Or are we of using... course. Okay. Um, he still lives with his parents. Sure. Played by Marlon Brando and Betty Davis. They are dead. They're, well, not anymore in this film. They are brought back. Using uh, using the magic of Scorsese CGI. I feel like modern filmmaking technology has really ruined the like <laughs> the concept of our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like the whole point. Like, that was a challenge when we started this podcast. Was actors have to be the same age, and you can't use people who are dead. And basically, Hollywood has broken the rules for us. I've I've kind of made an exception on this one just because of the Irishman. Sure, go ahead. Fine. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's fair enough. Go and ahead. and it kind of happens in this as well. You know when. Really, Otto's playing a 21-year-old. Sure, sure, sure. No, I get it, yeah. I'm just taking it to the extreme. I mean, Robert De Niro's playing a 28-year-old at the age of, like, 50. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, Martin Brando and Betty Davis, Mm -hmm. um, they live in an abusive relationship towards each other. Of course they are. (laughs) Imagine that marriage, Jesus. (laughs) And also towards their uh, 21-year-old son, Robert De Niro. Uh Uh-huh. Robert De Niro, he works in a barber shop. Sorry, just to go back. Is this Robert De Niro as the same character he plays in... Yes, in, yeah, it's, it's, sorry, this it's is just a, his younger days. This is a prequel, yes. I see, okay, fine. Sorry, okay. No, I sorry no, no, carry on. So he works in a barber shop sweeping floors. Mm-hmm. He earns a decent bit of money, um, but he makes most of his cash earning tips from the gangsters that come in. Mm-hmm. He also listens to a lot of their conversations and learns loads of information. Occasionally, he'll, he'll whisper an overheard piece of information into a client's ear in exchange for a much larger tip. Right, okay. He's got a good system going. Hmm. One day... He overhears enough information to know that someone is planning on stealing from a top-level gangster, played by Al Pacino. Ah, bring him in, yeah. Do he turn down a role in this film? Did he? What role? I forget... In Goodfellas, I mean, yeah. Mm. I forget who... I think he was supposed to play maybe the De Niro role? 
Right. Or maybe the Paul Sorvino role. He was mm. one of the main ones, definitely. And he turned it down to be in some... Oh, he did, turned it down to be in Dick Tracy instead. And he, he said a lot that that was the worst career decision he ever made. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I feel like he's done all right. He might, yeah, he's he, he's fine. But yeah. I think he was worried about playing another gangster so soon after The Godfather, basically. Yeah. So, which, fair enough. Yeah. So when Al Pacino comes in... Now, by the way, I'm imagining Al Pacino is like a, like a 50-year-old... Like top level gangster, sure, yeah. And Robert De Niro is a twenty one year old like bottom rung gangster sure. at this point. Mm. I just really found that big difference between the two of them quite funny. Mm. When Robert De Niro reports this to Al Pacino, he gets his big tip, and then Al Pacino turns around to him and says, "Learn something here, boy. This is how we deal with thieves and rats." And so when De Niro gets home that night, his mum is in tears. Mm. De Niro's dad was a bit short on cash and heard that he could make a quick buck by stealing from the mob, but somebody ratted him out before he could pull it off, and the mob slit his throat. Oh, yikes. So basically, Robert De Niro unknowingly ratted out his own dad. Oh, okay. And is that why he's like a bit of a psychopath in this film? Because he's racked with guilt. De Niro obviously feels terrible about this. Mm. And when he comes clean to his mum, she tells him two things. One, that she never wants to speak to him again. Fair. And two, that Al Pacino always hunts rats, even people who rat out his enemies. So he has to run. Oh, so he's... Even though he's... Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so mm-hmm. even though he's he's like done Al Pacino a favor, mm-hmm. he's proven himself to be untrustworthy, mm-hmm. and so he needs to get out of Dodge straight away. So then he does he like flee to Brooklyn and then become a new gangster under a new identity? Is that the whole thing? That's the sort of thing I'm thinking. Yeah, that's interesting. But, I'm not, would... but I'm not sure if there's a lot, if, if there's a lot more going on there with like a, a cat and mouse relationship between mm-hmm. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Well, it would make sense that he doesn't trust anyone. Like of, of all the characters in this film, Robert De, of, of the original Goodfellas, I mean, Robert De Niro's character is the most ruthless. Well, like he, he will kill his own friends. Like he mm. will, you know, him and Ray Liotta are friends for decades you know, over the course of the yeah. film. But at the end, he like he has no, remor- he doesn't show any remorse about potentially murdering him. Mm. So it's yeah, I guess he's learned early on to like trust no one, just look out for number one, mm-hmm. just kill anyone to stay alive. So I think that could be a really interesting little character study. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be a, a, a good little prequel. They were all three very good ideas. I would watch any one of those. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely prefer the last one. I think it's. Mm. I mean, that's the one that's got the most meat on the bones. Yeah, the last, the last one's actually a good idea. The yeah. dog, the dog one, good bit of silly the two, fun. The first two were like funny concepts that you know maybe you could flesh out, but yeah, yeah. that last one was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, mm, good stuff. Thank you, Dyfin. Yeah, that's all. Great. Okay, uh, I'll get to mine. I've just got the one this mm-hmm. week. So my one is similar in a way to your first idea, but I've gone on my own direction on it. Mm-hmm. It's based on the fact that this film, as amazing as it is in many ways, definitely has a, wom- a woman problem. Yeah. It, do- it doesn't show a lot of very positive representations of women. So it's actually based on a character from Goodfellas, but a very minor one that you might not have noticed that much. Although I have mentioned it a couple of times, so mm-hmm. maybe now you know it. So this sequel, or sidequel, I would say, mm-hmm. this sidequel concerns a very minor character in the original Goodfellas movie who's called Rosie. Okay. Now, I'm sure you don't recognise that name. Or do you? <laughs> no. no. Rosie, I only knew it from looking up on IMDb, the credits, what she was oh. character. I don't think her name was ever mentioned. Sure. Uh, Rosie is the lady who, in the scene when Karen is at the kind of beauty parlour with all the mob wives, she's the one who's, like, rubbing, like, lotion to Karen's arms and doing her nails and stuff. Like, mm. she is... And she's the one who then crops up later as Joe Pesci's girlfriend. Right, the one okay. who says, oh, he's so jealous, but oh, I'm so attracted to her. Mm-hmm. It's so horny to me. So, yeah. Yeah. This film's all about her. And I'm thinking that it's kind of similar to the original Goodfellas movie. Uh, this film's going to concern her relationship with Joe Pesci mm-hmm. and how they meet, how they get, to, you know... Initially, at least, anyway. Yeah. 
she's going to be the main voice. I think it, it can it could potentially split between her and Joe Pesci, but I'm thinking she's going to be. If you think of it being filmed in the same style as the original, she's the main voiceover. She's going to be explaining like her mm-hmm. life story while we see the scenes that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is Rosie from Brooklyn, a good Sicilian girl. Probably a lot of her family and relations and friends are involved in this gangster world because that's yeah. you know. But that's just the community she's grown up in. Mm-hmm. So it's going to start off with her meeting a very young Joe Pesci as a young boy uh, and becoming involved with him, starting dating him. Now, I was wondering, who do you think... I mean, not for a little kid. I mean, we, we, we might start with some kid scenes, but when we get to like young adulthood, because we are shooting this in 2020, you know, mm-hmm. theoretically, who could you think of who could play, like who now is maybe in their 20s or maybe 30s, you know, even pushing 40, you, know, you could, you know, DH, mm-hmm. but not Joe Pesci's age. Who would you cast as like a young Joe Pesci? Can you think of anyone? He's quite a distinct character type, like mm. as an actor. Like, mm. A bit short and short, wiry. Short, wiry, scary, you know, like in- intimidating, but not like... Oh, oh, um, I've forgotten his name, but he played the Joker on Gotham. Oh, I've cast him before that's a great... Ca- Robin Sachs? Maybe. No, it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Robin Sachs, I think he's called. Good shout. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go with him. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's perfect because he yeah, is. I think he's a good one. He's physically, you know, quite small, but he definitely is able to project. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's perfect. So yeah, she starts dating. The point is that he's playing a young Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. So they start dating at a young age, and we can also maybe follow him as he starts as a young lad again, growing up in this Sicilian community, and mm-hmm. he becomes involved in the local mob scene, etc. Yeah, maybe from even from childhood. I'd imagine he probably has a very troubled childhood. Maybe his dad's in the mob and his dad gets whacked early on. So, mm-hmm. you know, similar to the one you just told, like, so he has to deal with all of that stuff. So we can establish that even from an early age, he's very funny, he's very charismatic, he's very likable, but he also, he's got a very short fuse and he's capable of being very violent. Yeah. So that that can be his character from early on. We can maybe see some of the roots of that. And she's very attracted to him. And, you know, she's attra- attracted to his charisma and his, you know, likability. Uh, and the two of them end up, they get together and they end up getting married. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they have a couple of kids maybe they don't doesn't really matter to this plot so I'm not going to dwell on it but point is they're married they're a couple mm-hmm. but I was thinking this is going to be like the, the crux of the sequel what I was thinking of is that maybe in this one because I really wanted to have like more interesting female characters because Joe Pesci is so scary in the original like he's the character you would just not fuck with under any circumstances mm. I'm thinking at home the only person that Joe Pesci is scared of is her ah okay like she truly wears the pants. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking it's going to start off with a classic kind of, you know, gangster romance where they're attracted to each other, they fall in love, they date a bit, they get married, and, you know, you think it's going to be a standard mobster and his abused wife story. Mm-hmm. And then they have that argument that they all have, like, the third of the way through these films where, like, they get into a fight and maybe he goes to punch or maybe he does punch her, you know, like, you know and you get the ab- domestic abuse moments. Mm-hmm. But then she turns it around and she kicks the shit out of him. Ah, she's just like, okay, not I like, today. I like that. Yeah, she's like yeah. you will not I will not stand for this bullshit yeah. no so she kicks the shit out of him but he finds out that he secretly likes that <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting Phantom Thread vibes a little bit yeah. yeah more intense but yeah yeah, yeah so basically one because he's such an intense like ex- extrovert character you know in the in the Goodfellas movie mm. I was thinking, like, yeah, what if, like, he she beats him up, but rather than, like, beat her back or divorce her or get her killed of her, he, he realises, maybe he's always known, he's probably always known on some level, that he's, like, actually quite attracted to, like, being humiliated and beaten by a woman. Like, mm-hmm. That's not an uncommon fetish, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. He's secretly a bit of a sub, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
he likes being beaten and humiliated by women. It turns him on. So obviously they both realise very quickly that that's... Because this is like the 1960s, you know, Brooklyn. They both realise that in the outside world, if if, they, if that got out, she can't walk around in public mm. being that, like humiliating him because he would lose all respect. He'd never make it anywhere in the gangster world. Yeah. So when they go out in public, they like role play where like she's the meek, you know, little, oh, he's so jealous of me, but you know, mm. I like that. I, I'm so attracted to her, you know, what a big brave man he is. Mm-hmm. But at home, she fucking knocks to seven shades of shit. Like she is nice. fully wearing the trousers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's this weird little kinky role play they've got going basically. And so that kind of explains that line that she has in the film, where she's like I mentioned, where she's like, "Oh, he's so jealous all the time." Like, I'd like that that's just a game, but really, she's the one who's out there, like not only just like dominating him physically, but also she she has affairs if she wants to. She totally lives her own life. She mm-hmm. has makes her own rules. She's in charge, and mm-hmm. he totally, basically, serves her. You know, but yeah. no, none of the other gangsters know about this. It's all behind closed doors. Yeah, that's the vibe I'm going yeah. for. Anyway, so that happens. Also, you know, obviously, while that's happening, he's still living his life as a gangster. He's going out there, you know, building his career. Mm-hmm. But she's not content to sit around and just be a mob wife and do nothing and be bored. Like, that's not her vibe whatsoever. She wants to be, you know... She's a smart woman. She's an independent woman. She wants to run her own business. Mm-hmm. So, use, using the money that he's making from his, you know, gangster activities, she sets up her own beauty parlour. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, the, the main scene that we see her in in the main film is mm. when she's doing all the... She's part of that mob wives... Oh, yeah. makeover squad yeah 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 something maybe she's like a beautician or a wannabe beautician so she sets up a beauty parlor exclusively catering to the mob wife market <laughs> okay so all gangsters wives go to this one beauty parlor in brooklyn mm-hmm. and it's probably enough of them to run a fairly good business you know mm. so she's like the main beautician so it's all we're gonna have a great montage of her running this fantastic setting up and running this fabulous beauty parlor and it's all gonna be like that scene it's gonna be giant perms like long acrylic nails and mm-hmm. just you know Mob glamour, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. W- wigs everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, caked in makeup, you know, everything. However, just as the business is starting to like really take off, and it it does really well, all the mob wives flock to it, and she's doing, she's very successful. But then tragedy strikes when Tommy is whacked by fellow gangsters, as we see in the original film. You know, when he thinks he's a made man, he gets whacked. Mm-hmm. So he's now been whacked. So she's a widow, and like many mob widows. This leaves her with mounting debts and business starts to slow down and she's in kind of dire straits. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that she can do, she's determined not to sell the business. She really wants to keep it going, but she can't afford to hire from within her own community anymore because a lot of the mob wives are kind of avoiding her because mm-hmm. her husband's been whacked. So that means that she's a bit of a pariah and maybe a lot of her regular staff quits and, and leave her in the lurch. So she's got her debts mounting up. She's short staffed. She needs to hire from outside the community to kind of keep this beautician business going yeah. while she's a widow. Yeah. So with all the mob wives having abandoned her, she hires a fabulous gay hairstylist <laughs> called Antoine, mm-hmm. played by Titus Burgess. Nice, I, nice. You know, Titus Andromedon from uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. I think he'd be great for this role. Just playing his standard role, you know, just as a <laughs> fabulous flamboyant black gay man. Mm-hmm. He's just he's doing the full Titus Burgess experience. Yeah. So he comes in as a as a hairstylist to this mob wives beauty salon and is instantly horrified you know by all the cheap perms and cotton blend outfits because you know, Lorraine Bracco's character says that all, the women don't look good like they're wearing too much makeup that they're not stylish they're just in this weird enclosed world where they're all dressed in the, they all dress the same way yeah but to the outside world they're, they're a bit of a laughing stock yeah so he comes in and he's like oh girl no <laughs> you know he's instantly like this 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 will not do this will not stand so he's gonna now spend a lot of the film convincing rosie joe pesci's wife mm-hmm. the main character 
to help him to give all the mob wives makeovers, like to update her beauty standards. Yeah, and she's gonna resist at first because she's part of this community and she she just you know she's very enclosed. But he's gonna like win around. They're gonna become friends, and he's gonna support her through her widowhood. Mm-hmm. And she's eventually gonna kind of realize that oh, there's another way to do this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, after a bit of queer eye magic, <laughs> <laughs> it's very much queer eye for the straight guys. Well. They update their standards and start giving all the mob wives from the community fabulous modern makeovers. Mm-hmm. So instead of like dodgy perms and overly long acrylic nails and too much slap, they're giving them like fresh modern 90s, you know, sleek model glamour looks. Mm. So all these women are suddenly looking way better, you know. Yeah. And it means that the shop, the beauty parlor, it turns around again. All the mob wives come back. The word gets around that this mm. is the best beauty parlor in town. Mm-hmm. And all the women want these makeovers because... Not only is it making the women look better, because now they've dodged their dodgy perms and stuff, it's making them more attractive to their husbands. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. not only is this place making money, it's also saving marriages. Mm-hmm. And all of these gangsters are kind of leaving their bits on the side and going back to their wives, because their mm. wives are like getting kind of a glow up. Mm-hmm. You know? They're looking good, feeling gorgeous, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so soon, Rosie's beauty shop becomes a sensation in the community, until crisis strikes once again, mm-hmm. when... Henry Hill, the Ray Liotta character from Goodfellas, raps out every gangster in the community and mm-hmm. they all go to jail, which is what happens at the end of Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, all the wives broke. You know, they've all lost their husbands, mm. they're all adrift. And so once again, business slows down. So what Rosie decides to do, with the help of Titus Burgess, mm. they decide to turn their business around and start training all of these suddenly adrift mob wives, most of whom haven't worked in like years since they got married. Because mm-hmm. it seems like most mob wives in these films don't have jobs. They just like live on their husband's money and like yeah. raise the kids, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's their lives. She starts a training course to help them to learn to be beauticians or hairdressers or whatever they want to be. Mm-hmm. And she, it's, she starts a whole program to get mob wives, but like former mob wives whose husbands have gone to jail or been whacked mm-hmm. back into the workforce. Yeah. I think and that's a, mm. yeah. That's, like, that's a business. It's, a, it's like a dragon's den business venture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she rallies the community and it's really popular. All the women start training and they go back and the beauty parlor thrives again. They're all working there. They're all kind of giving themselves and each other makeovers. It spreads out. The word gets around. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with Rosie writing a best-selling book about her success, about how she went from mob wife to business mogul. Mm, very and, uh, good. Yeah, and then she's a bestseller and she's a huge success and then that's the end. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. So it was like a self-actualizing success story from a female a side female character in a gangster movie is yeah. the basic premise of that yeah yeah so yeah that is Goodfellas 2 Mob Wife Beauty Shop <laughs> <laughs> Mob Wife Beauty Shop yeah fantastic yeah. you took that in a very you way I know I know well well, I'm well done for it though yeah I was like, in a you know I was rushing to do a sequel I was like you know you was, we were a bit late, late this it week it doesn't I mean, come across as rushed no, no 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 I think it worked out but like you know I've been very busy this week so I had to do it at the last minute and so I was going I was, like, oh, I was really struggling. Like you were ready to go, and I was like, I, I, don't, I need an idea. I need an idea, and it just came to me. And then as soon as I had like the premise, it was like, got it. And just, it just came to me. You know, mm. sometimes just the floodgates open. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. always nice when that happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Very good. Thank you. Lovely. Listen submissions. Yes, that's where we're at. Okay, so first listen submission I have of the evening is from Jacob Gallant, who says some fellas that were just okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay, fellas. Okay, fellas. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Better says, "Good gals, good gals." Oh, yeah. Similar to your idea, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it would be a side a side call showing us the movie from the wives' point of view. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a good angle to take. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Uh, Drew Mancini says, Great fellas, followed by the greatest fellas for his third and final instalment. And then Jordan Orr has commented, Best fellas, surely. Best fellas, yeah. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, you go good fellas, great fellas, best fellas. Now, are they the that- same fellas? Or is it just going to be? Is it going to be? Is it going to go from like Pesci, De Niro, Leota to like Hemsworth, Pine, Evans? You know, <laughs> maybe a transition. Are they all Chris? Yeah, that's, yeah that's, 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 that's you know. Is it going to be like increasingly better like trios? Yeah, yeah, that that, that works. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Brian Babdock says Marvel's the good fellas. Oh, I dread to. Think. I mean, it's inevitable, <laughs> but I dread to think. Yeah. Yeah, um, and finally, uh, Rocco McDross says Joe Pesci is licked by cats and brought back to life as Catman, which sounds to me like the plot of the Halle Berry Catwoman film. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, what's the connection <laughs> to Joe Pesci there? Is the one? Well, because he was dead at the end of this film. Well, sure, yeah. Is that, is that all? The, okay, so, so is he, that the he, only connection? He he he's licked by cats and he's brought back to life, and now he he is a Catman. I mean, I'm on board. So yeah. I, I don't feel like cat is the animal. He's he's. I feel like he's more of like a small dog. Yeah, sure. Like, he's like, you know, you get too close, he's going to bite you. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm here for that. Was that everything? Yeah, that was all. Cool. Okay. I have some as well, obviously. Joe Herman said, even better fellas. Fantastic, yeah. yes. Uh, Nathan Rabin said, what if they run a casino? <laughs> Which is obviously, I guess, as we mentioned, the next Scorsese mm-hmm. gangster film. Dan Lebrecht said, Gumars, a story of mafia mistresses. Yeah. Uh, Gumars is the word, it's an Italian word for like a mobster's bit on the side. So his oh, wife okay. is his wife and his, his, his mistress will be his gumar. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's all in the Sopranos. Yeah. Vincent de Paul says, title card announces that everybody has died. <laughs> Two and a half hours of black screen, then credits. <laughs> I guess that's because they're all super old now, I guess. Mm, yeah. yeah. Will Buckingham said, Goodfellas 2, these are actually really bad fellas. <laughs> so I guess it's people who like mistakenly took this film as like an aspirational thing. Like just, no, mm-hmm. no, no, you're not supposed to think this is a good story. Mm. Well, I mean, it is a good story. You're not supposed to think that this is, like, aspirational. Yeah. Yeah. Kareen, sorry, Catherine Wadsworth said, for the love of God, please not the original cast with de-aging CGI. (laughs) (laughs) Got some bad news for you, Catherine. (laughs) Brian Markowski said, this might be my favourite, Brian Markowski said, good fellowship of the ring. (laughs) The gang is back and ready to take on new territory, specifically Middle Earth, when they make the hobbits an offer they cannot refuse. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. This one guy, he took his ring all the way to Mount Doom. Out of respect. (laughs) Adam Commissara said, two good two fellas. Mm -hmm. Classic. Yeah, I got one or two of them. Mm -hmm. Julie DeSena said, it's just a jailhouse cooking show with poorly slicing the garlic even thinner. <laughs> I did like that scene. That would have taken forever. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it would have tasted divine. So Yeah, sure. I like the idea of, like, a jailhouse cooking show by gangsters. Mm. Yeah. Uh, over on Twitter, the Contrarians, at Contrarian Pram, who, by the way, just celebrated their 100th episode, so congratulations, guys. Oh, well done to them. Check them out, they're amazing. I listened to their 99th. Oh, did you? Great. Well, it was Avengers Endgame, so... Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Kind of had to. Mm. You know what, actually? I listened to that. I think that was probably the best Endgame podcast I've actually heard. Amazing. And I've obviously listened to quite a few. Sure. They were on it. They're a good podcast. They're mm. a good podcast. So yeah. check them out. They put in a good amount of effort. They do. So, at Contrarian Prime said, Bored out of his mind, Henry Hill, the really awesome character, uses the money from his tell-all memoir to sell a new racket, slowly corrupting people within the Witness Protection Program. Nobody's really into it, and a lack of commitment means they're all just... So so fellas, <laughs> so so fellas, yeah. average fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Simon the Depressed Movie Fan, at Depressed Movie, said, Henry Hill, under a new identity, begins a new life as the number one knitwear magnate in the US. But his newfound influence, and his face all over the knitwear business papers, attracts some familiar unwanted attention in... Snood Fellas. <laughs> Snood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Academy Queens, at Academy Queens, said Lorraine Bracco, the movie. So mm-hmm. I guess that's the wife's perspective. Yeah. Okay. And finally, Colby Mack, at Colby Told Me, said, Man, so this is how De Niro and Pesci were supposed to look in The Irishman. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I definitely thought that. Just like, okay, they're actually younger. Their faces look a different shape. Yeah, because that's in actually the, what in, they look in, like. In The Irishman, they didn't look a different shape. Well, that's it, because, you know, most people, when they get older, they're fa- you know, they gain they gain weight and their faces fill out, which you know, yeah. the CGI can't really deal with. It can, yeah. it can smooth it, but it can't, you know, whereas in these films, they're both, like, skinny, which mm. is why. So, yeah. Yeah. So, thank you, everybody, for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter, where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, where you can also leave us a five-star review, which we really appreciate, and it does help us to get a bit more visibility. So please, if you listen... Just take five minutes to review us. We appreciate it so much. And drop us a note. We'll be happy to give you a shout-out if you do that, wherever you are in the world. Uh, As mentioned earlier, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon for as little as $2 a month for a bunch of incentives, including extended episodes, bonus episodes, a chance to guest on the show, maybe even choose a film for us to do. You know, there's loads of benefits, and we're always open to hear about more as well. So we would really appreciate that a lot. It really helps us out as well. Uh, so go to patreon.com forward slash beyond the box set to find out more about that, or go to beyondtheboxset.com where there are plenty of links. So yeah, Harry, next week, I believe, are we having a patron a guest? Yeah, yeah, we've got a guest on next week. Fabulous. Um we have the the Ant McGinley. The Ant McGinley, I, I, I who we both it. met at Pods Up North, a conference <laughs> we went to recently, which was a great time. Yeah. Um, and he's picked a film called Escape to Victory. Yes. This is a World War II football film, I believe. Yeah. Starring so, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Michael Caine, maybe? I think so. Yeah. Maybe, if I'm you remembered right. I've not seen it. Clearly, but... we've, clearly neither of us have ever seen this. No, we're not big sports film people, but I'm interested to see it. I believe Ant has a football podcast, which I'm sure he will be talking about at length next week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll be an exciting uh, bit of a different genre for us to do. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely different from the, the last two films that we've yeah. done. So, yeah, look, I'm Hope, Hopefully to... something a little easier. I would imagine so. But yeah. Yeah. Under yeah. two hours, yeah. Yeah, but we'll way. see. So yeah, please join us next week for Escape to a Victory. Yeah, see you then. See you then. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, bye. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny.